this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. This is the Book Riot Podcast, a weekly news and talk show about what's new, cool, and worth talking about in the world of books and reading. This is episode 224. We're recording on Monday, August 28th, 2017. I'm Rebecca Shinsky. I'm here with Jeff O'Neill. We're coming to you from bookriot.com. A little late this week. I was traveling, had some stuff going on. But it's kind of good because I think we're going to spend some time on our main story, which I think was Friday afternoon or something. It was, I think it started on Thursday and then it went into Friday. And even then I was like, oh, good, we're delaying the podcast because I'm going to need time to follow this completely Mm -hmm. banana pants story. And it just kept going. Yeah. On a normal cycle, we wouldn't have got it because we record on Thursday mornings generally. And so it would be old pizza by the time. Already it's a little bit, it's kind of come and gone, but it's an interesting story. But but it's we we got a little break. Uh, it's definitely <laughs> it's definitely uh, a strange a strange pie. Um, we'll get that in a second. So follow up um, on apparently I don't did someone you put this in the agenda? Do you know yeah, where did you get this? One of either one of the contributors or one of the insiders. Yeah. I think it was um, Bookwright Insiders was following up with us about the Lavar Burton reading Rainbow Beef and said that on his latest podcast episode Lavar Burton reads he said that he's going to leave reading Rainbow behind. And the quote is one of the things I've realized is every ounce of energy I invest in a brand that I will never own is an ounce of energy I invest in a brand that I will never own. And so he's going to step away from reading Rainbow. I guess presumably also leave behind the catchphrase, you don't have to take my word for it, Mm -hmm. um, which was the most recent beef. Um, And he's going to focus on his own new brand, which is LeVar Burton Kids. Um, So that's real end of an era kind of announcement to make when you when you consider that that um he he is reading rainbow um at least to several generations of kids um and for him to have said finally that that's it there will be no more lavar burton reading rainbow but after you pitched donald glover we heard from several folks who like that idea (laughs) including michelle she likes michelle typically will text us she'll live text us listening to the podcast and that was like (laughs) which is just the best now now I i would totally listen to donald glover's like yes you would I know that. I also know you. Um, I think this is the only move for him. Yeah. I don't see another way, again, not knowing the particulars of whatever deal he had with Reading Rainbow at the time, which I guess it was work for hire. Like, he didn't own a percentage of the NPR station or the IP. He was an actor, uh, much like he doesn't own a piece of the Star Trek universe. Like, he shows up at conventions, but... You know he can't he can't make like Star Wars podcast or a Star Trek podcasts without having to do um, pay homage to Viacom, which owns all the Star Trek IP. This is the only way out for him. I think it's smart. I think reading Rainbow could live without Levar Burton, and I think Levar Burton can certainly move on without reading oh, yeah. Rainbow. Yeah, um, he's gonna be just fine. He's gonna be just fine. I don't think anyone's like, boy, I, I like Levar Burton and I'd listen to those podcasts, but he's not saying that catchphrase, so I guess I'm out. Like just. Right. That just wouldn't happen. That just that seems absurd when you say it that way. Um, but so I guess that's the end of that particular beef um, there. So before we get into the rest of the show, we've got a sponsor this week. Book of the Month is back. So here's the deal. Book of the Month searches high and low for new books you wouldn't have found on your own. 
with a special focus on debut authors. I was just noticing the picks this month. A couple um, I hadn't heard about at all until they'd come out. So they're really doing their homework over at uh, Book of the Month. Then you get to pick. You see their their best books, their picks of the month. You get to look at their selections and decide which of those you want. Get one, you can get them all. It's up to you. Pricing starts at just $10 for a new hardcover release that can cost more, $15 and up anywhere else. It's a great value. Whether you get one a book once a month or once a season, the exclusive prices will save you tons. It's a, it's, its goal is to make sure you love what you read. So, you know, I was thinking the other day about, uh, we were at, I can't remember, oh, we were ordering off a menu somewhere. And you know how you go into a restaurant and like it has like a thousand things on it? It makes it harder mm-hmm. than there are like 10 things, right? Because you can just yes, look paralysis easily. paralysis of choice. Paralysis, choice paralysis is a, is a real thing. And there's, there's way more books than there are ways to cook noodles. So the menu of books that are available for you to order from is so huge. So what you have is like, a, it's a nice little menu, like a, like a chef's tasting menu is what Book of the Month offers you. Ooh, I like that. Every month, you know, pick, they, they get the best. These are our specials and only the specials. You know, don't get the eggplant. That's not a spe- ever a special. Don't get it. But here are the best ones we're going to pick for you. You're going to get your first book for 10 bucks if you go to bookofthemonth.com slash bookriot. That's bookofthemonth.com slash bookriot. Oh, boy. You know, this is one of those things where how do you how do you eat an elephant? You sort of got to take it piece <laughs> by piece with this story. Um, I was kind of wondering how much of it you saw happening I, since you were on vacation. I saw, because I was checking on Twitter uh, in between my kids puking. Um, and so I saw some of it. Oh, I'm, I'm, this tab, come on, Entertainment Weekly. This, <laughs> I know, I just had to mute the tab, Louise. too. Louise. Um, there's like two videos playing somehow. I don't know. That should be illegal. Google, get on that. Um, I saw it later in the development cycle and then and saw the wrap-up posts. I, I guess the thing that brought this to everyone's attention, so last week, a book called, uh, let's see, Handbook for Mortals, dethroned The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas as the number one bestseller on the YA hardcover list, New York Times YA hardcover list. That That's... That mm-hmm. was the the initiating incident, yeah. right? The right. The list came out. Um, it came out on Thursday, and a young adult author named Phil Stamper tweeted, basically, "How is it possible that this book could have sold five thousand copies?" Which is not an official number, but it's about what authors agree you need to sell mm-hmm. in order to crack the New York Times bestseller list. How could this book have sold five thousand copies in its first week? It's out of stock on Amazon and everywhere else, including the publisher. And it was a debut novel from the author. It's a debut novel from the publisher, which is Geek Nation, which is a website. And it's a pop culture website that launched in 2012, but just launched their publishing arm in July. And like no one in the YA world had heard of this book. If a book was going to debut at number one, someone would have been talking about it. Mm -hmm. And there were like 12 Goodreads reviews. That's not the official number, but it was it was very low. So he tweets like, it's strange. Actually, this is a great tweet to read verbatim. I find it strange that a mediocre website can decide it wants to be a publisher and one month later hit number one on the New York Times bestseller list. And he tweets a screenshot of like, the book is out of stock on Amazon. It's not currently in any physical BNN location in the tri-state area either. And and then things just get weirder. So people start like sleuthing about mm-hmm. what could be going on 
here, including like tweets come out from JC Chazay, who is from <laughs> InSync, and he's tweeting like he had tweeted his support for the book um, because he, I think, is somehow related to somebody Lonnie Sarum. involved. With um, it, yeah. Another Twitter detective like uncovered that she used to work for Blues Traveler, and they tweeted to Blues Traveler, the band, and the band responded from their Blues Traveler Twitter account that this is weird but not surprising. We fired her for these kinds of stunts insert my joke about her giving them the runaround here um i would like some blues traveler yes <laughs> pun yes. credit there's like it's just so weird but all of ya twitter put on their detective hats oh the actor thomas ian nicholas who played um tara reed's boyfriend who was trying to de- like desperately trying to lose his virginity in american pie he had tweeted about this book um a woman who played glory on buffy had tweeted about it there was all this like apparent support for it and the author had tweeted pictures of herself surrounded by like boxes and boxes of the book saying like look at these thousands of copies i have to sign for pre-orders But then Phil Stamper started getting DMs Mm -hmm. from booksellers who said, I work at a bookstore and someone called to ask if we were a New York Times reporting store and then they placed a bulk order for this. And said they were making so a movie strange. based on the book. He gets two messages like this from booksellers who are like, Someone placed a bulk order for this book through my store. Somebody else turns up an IMDB page that says that this movie has a or this book has a movie deal and that the author Lonnie Sarum is going to play the main character in the movie. So then people started speculating that this whole all these shenanigans with the bestseller list were intended to try to beef up getting a movie deal. Um, and that that's what was going on. And then Preethi, um, Preethi Chibber, who writes for uh-huh. Book Riot and who hosted the um, panel's podcast about comics when we were running that and mm-hmm. who is works in YA publishing, this is where it gets like super weird, compared some of the text from the Handbook for Mortals to what is widely regarded as the worst fan fiction story on the internet, which is called My Immortal, and it's a piece of Harry Potter fan fiction. And... We're pretty sure that Preeti uncovered Lonnie Sarum as the previously unknown author of that piece <laughs> of fan fiction. <laughs> kind of like when uh, J.K. got out of his Galbraith. Like, wasn't there like some textual analysis <laughs> stuff that was part and parcel of that? Wasn't oh, was that one it, of I those? Thought, uh, well, it was a I lawyer, so, but some, there was speculation that it was her. Something oh, that went on maybe. before we got the 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 lawyer's spouse maybe. leaked it or and, something like that. And then, like, one of the people sleuthing out on Twitter posts a tweet that they had, like, heard from Barnes & Noble. They had – one of the journalists had contacted Barnes & Noble, and Barnes & Noble had said, like, yes, we have a floppity jillion Mm pre-orders for this book, and the publisher is out of them, so we can't deliver Mm -hmm. any of these pre-orders. But that's actually fine because it means Barnes & Noble can cancel all those orders. Like, they can cancel all those fraudulent orders, and, you know, the books don't exist to get delivered, but – they can cancel them and then those sales would effectively you know, be erased. But the New York Times issued essentially a retraction yep. to all the stores that report to the bestseller list and said that there has been a revision and we apologize for the inconvenience. But like the the upshot is that in 12 hours, young adult Twitter like took down what's essentially fraud yeah. of, of the New York Times bestseller list. Yeah, it's – I mean – 
the the stuff about Blues Traveler and the the <laughs> D list celebrity stuff, like that's kind of the the it's, the whip topping like, on this crazy right, banana like, weirdly, pie. Weirdly, it's the least interesting part. I th- I, th- I find the insider baseball stuff like how you could actually do this because it is fraud and it isn't fraud, right? Like they. Is this even an exploit? Like, you shouldn't do this. Don't get me wrong. This is garbage. This is bad news. But they took advantage of the New York Times bestseller list composition to do this. They didn't do anything illegal. They didn't break into something. They didn't, they weren't even buying their own copies, which business people, which some business people do. Like, those are things we know. Like, I think, again, I don't know if this story is accurate, but I think I had heard that Augustine Burroughs did this at one point. He bought, his own books than to sell at his signings or something like this to sort of cycle them through reporting bookstores. Mm-hmm. Um, or it, it may not have been him. Some other, I've heard of this type of thing happening before. Some business people do this. That's a thing oh, that yeah, we know. It's like there's kind of two other layers of nuance to yes. it is you can do like you can do a giant bulk order mm-hmm. for, you know, like 5,000 copies in one go straight from a publisher. And that might be enough sales to push a book onto the bestseller list. But those get re- it, it gets reported as a bulk, bulk purchase. Yep. And those appear with little asterisk next to them on the New York Times bestseller list. Or like if you call a Barnes and Noble store and you order more than like 25 or 30 copies of a book mm-hmm. that gets pushed out of regular sales and into what they consider to be institutional sales the way that like a library or um, an, a political organization mm-hmm. or whatever would have to order them and those sales get reported differently and recorded, yep. like at least noted on the bestseller list. So they were smart in ordering like small enough quantities that it didn't flag that it was a bulk purchase mm-hmm. where like it's pretty common actually for um, especially conservative political pundits do this in order to put their book on the bestseller list so that they can slap that New York Times bestseller sticker on it. And then they do things like if their TV show offers a membership group or yep. something, it's like, you know, join the, I'm just using Hannity because that's the name in my head. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he has one of these, but it's like join the Hannity club and you'll get a free copy of his next book. It's because they bought 5,000 copies of his book so they could get him on the bestseller list and now they have them and they can send them to you. So like it's known that this occurs. You can game the list. Usually if you're gaming it through like one big bulk sale, it gets noted. It was this like, I think this like drip, drip, drop of a bunch of smaller um, pre-order sales that added up. Like the the open question is how many stores did they have to call to place yeah. these orders um, in order to get enough sales to put it on the bestseller list? Because presumably they wouldn't know that they'd done enough, right? Because they wouldn't know right. necessarily until the list came out that they'd actually – so to guarantee their number one, they probably have to overshot whatever the mark is. The other problem they had is that – the hate you give is still selling. Like that's mm-hmm. not, you know, that's not a weak um uh king to dethrone. So the, uh, that's been out for a while. The news, so. like- Last week was a terrible week to try to, def- to right. dethrone the hate you give news. because there were tons of notes about the casting for the movie, mm-hmm. which is just, I mean, that cast is incredible. Though probably if they were watching BookScan, they probably could see how many books the hate you give was actually selling over the last couple of weeks. And, you know, if you're going to do it, the last week of August is not like there. It's weird. They're like, it was like a smart, dumb thing to do. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's like, very well thought out. It's, it's except well, for except the part that it where wasn't. All like the they did all the apart. things. Like here's a thing you can do. Except I guess what they didn't realize is that people would notice. Yeah, that's that thing. Is like you can put something together that like the pieces are very cleverly mm-hmm. done, but there's a lot of 
assumption embedded in no one like I'm so good at this that no one's going to notice like I will dethrone the hate you give it's one of those things where if they had undershot a little bit yeah like you can still slap New York Times bestseller on your book if you're number 10 on the New York Times like if you shoot to be the 10th on the list instead of to dethrone like the big YA book of the year that everyone is talking about yes it would be less noticeable, but gunning to go from unknown to number one, like that was unwise. Yeah, if they're number 10, I wonder, it's a good point. I wonder if anyone notices. Are people notice, but does anyone like start going down the path? Because the other thing is sometimes I think when in other situations where the, the New York Times bestseller list has been gamed, it might not be number one for a book, but it might be like number eight. And it's from a publisher that has some track record. So it doesn't look like just a bolt of lightning out of the clear blue sky. Like that's the other thing here. It's not just a debut author from, you know, some, it's not just that it was unknown or underknown from like Bloomsbury Young Adult or something like this that got a bunch of buzz. Like there was nothing. There's no tremors. There's no, you know, there's no sense of what this was going to be. So that coming out of the clear blue sky, you just can't do it this way. And it's an understate, it, it's, it really shows they don't know the YA community. I mean, I guess they just didn't know that, of course, people are going to pay attention. Right. Have you not? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's 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 very very um, a sign of their obtuseness about what they were actually like, dealing with. It is profound disconnection from yes. reality of right. young adult Twitter, and made especially interesting, I think, by the fact that the author wrote a defense of her actions that was published on very HuffPo strange last week, where she it's it doesn't even read like a defense because she doesn't think she did anything wrong. She is just explaining that. Publishing has gatekeepers that don't let diverse stories in, which this is, she's a white lady, <laughs> by the way. So I, I think have news I, for I you. I think I noped out before I even hit that. Because <laughs> I, I saw that piece and I was like, you know, I can't do that. Yeah. So I have news for her first about the fact that publishing doesn't really hate white ladies and also stories that white ladies tend to tell are not diverse, yeah. but whatever. She thinks her story is the kind of story that has not been told before and that she has been gatekept out of publishing. So word to the wise, publishers declining to publish your books is not automatically gatekeeping. No. Well, it like is. Like some gatekeeping. Gatekeeping because well, your book sucks is gatekeeping. Like it, <laughs> that's I mean, true. That's true. Not in the sense I did read that the excerpt. Use... I did read the little bit. Yeah. And I don't know if it was pretty oh, yeah. or someone was like, and... Um, well, it's it's not going to win any awards. Let's let's put it that way. Yeah, it's uh, it's not gatekeeping in the sense that people who are like I have been gatekept meant yeah. like she thinks that her voice is being shut down by the man right. and that she's entitled to the attention. Like this is this is white lady entitlement, mm. and I like that's I think what I said to some of our insiders on Slack. Like it's just pure and simple. Like that she thought that her book should be published. She thought she deserved to be published, and that she deserves this movie deal that she either has or is trying to get, and to have a book on the bestseller list. And it didn't dawn on her that like if you have to game the system this way to get all those things, you don't actually deserve them. You haven't earned them <laughs> <Right>. at all. <laughs> Yeah, and the theories are that she wanted to get a New York Times bestseller badge, number one, presumably even, to put in the portfolio to try to get the book option to be made into a movie or something, right? Like, that's kind of what we th think the end game was here. Because she's not, or, or, or I guess maybe just from virtue of being New York Times number one bestseller, you would sell some copies, even though you can't buy them anywhere. Like, that's the part of the game I don't understand. Like, it required her not to actually buy copies, because she doesn't right. want to actually sell out all the money. So everything has to be out of stock at Amazon, Barnes & Noble so that you can register the order that will get triggered in the New York Times bestselling reporting system without actually having to shell out the cash to get the book, except if part of the plan is to get 
notoriety from your book, there's no copies for people to buy because you just made sure they weren't there so you didn't have to buy them. So that's the piece. I Someone floated the idea that they were trying to get a book deal or, uh, excuse me, a movie deal for this mm-hmm. or picked up by a bigger publisher, which that's the only thing that makes sense, but it's the weirdest cockamamie kind of sense I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, it's... it. it there's logic here, but it's not good logic. It's like, if I'm America's Most Wanted, maybe someone will make a movie out of my life. <laughs> but what you got to do to do that is sure, it's just, that's not, that's not good. That's not what you want to be doing. That's not the, well, no, that's a bad also, look. I mean, like, if her writing ever got better, she might have gotten a book deal from a big publisher yeah. at some point in the future. But you're like, this is, that's not going to happen now. What publisher is going to work with you after you did this? Right. So and you have zero credibility now with YA Twitter, which is relatively powerful yes, in the world of YA publishing yes, media. Yeah, it is. And what publisher is going to want to deal with you? Right. Like what publisher? Like you know, you know that lady that tried to scam the entire YA community I bet by she'll fake be great buying to her work books. With. Let's sign. Let's get her on board and work with her. That sounds great. Um, <laughs> I, and I guess presumably, even if she, if she got a movie deal, the people weren't going to read the book. Like I guess I don't know enough about how movies get optioned. Like. Would be enough to be a because you can't do this every week. She couldn't be a number one bestseller every week, no. could she? So you get one week and then you fall off, and you're gonna like confuse like book scouts at Universal <laughs> to make you. I just seems it just seems so <laughs> cockamamie. The cockamamie was like, invented to describe. A, a, this a plan is, like I this. mean, this is like narcissism, straight up. This assumption that you're so much cleverer than all of these people in positions of power that they could never figure out the clever thing that you've this done. Is it's that insider, like, I'm so smart, no one will ever. Insider baseball that no one cares about, um, that I looked, because like Geek Nation, like, okay, what is that website? So I looked at their Facebook page because Facebook is, you know, that's how you know if you've got a real, mm-hmm. uh, do they have a big file? They, they haven't posted to their own site. It's all memes and pictures. Uh, they haven't posted a post of their own that like linked to something they wrote in at least six months. Oh, dear. So there's like nothing there. I don't even know what this is. Um, I don't even know what this is. So it, it's a shell game within a shell game within a shell game. I, it's it's a strange story. But I have to say, do you know where I come out on this? Maybe you saw, I tweeted about it a little bit. This is a real indictment of the New York Times bestseller list, don't you think? Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know how you should do this thing, but it, it, all, it all brought back to me that the New York Times bestseller, like, honorific that gets slapped on books, does anyone care? Can we A-B test this? No, you know? Like, does it really sell? I mean, like, I, feel, I feel like there are so if many. All those, if all those stickers disappeared yes. from all the books they're on, what would happen to book sales? Right. Just yeah. just do this. So for half the Barnes & Nobles, put out books that have New York Times, number one New York Times bestseller on it. And then for the other half, don't. Just two two covers. It could just be dust jackets. Don't have to be just a hard cut or whatever. Does it does it matter? I feel like there's so many. It's so it's, it's commodified. Like every book has an every book. I'm exaggerating. Yeah, it's it's like a Stephen King blurb. Yeah, at this right. point. Yeah, it's meaningless. I wonder if we have any bookseller or librarian friends listening oh. who would either dismantle the. New York, like if there's a bestseller display in your store yeah. or your library, maybe take it down and see if anyone asks right. about it after the fact. Or I would just be curious to know, 
Like I know people walk into libraries and bookstores all the time asking for that book they saw on mm-hmm. the Today Show or the thing that they heard on NPR. But does anybody ever come in just asking where the New York Times bestsellers are? They might. Um, I guess they might. I'm but wondering. That way they let might. us know. They might. Let us know. It's podcast at bookriot.com. Or do people troll the New York Times bestseller list in the Sunday New York Times book review in print? I mean, this doesn't seem the chain of decisions people have to do to get all the way down there doesn't make any sense to me. That's why like, I look at BookScan because that's like actual numbers, which is nice because don't, mm-hmm. don't forget, the New York Times doesn't report any numbers and we don't, not all stores report and it's sampling and statistics and blah, 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 blah. It just, it makes me insane. Like I think the tweet I said and uh, bears repeating here is like, it just exposes like how opaque and sort of Im- disproportionately authoritative the New York Times bestsellers list for what little gain do we get out of it i I just i would like to see a well-argued list of reasons to keep the new york times bestseller list like other than that real reasons that aren't just it's been a thing for a long time and people like it because do they like i mean maybe they do like maybe there are book clubs that are just looking at the new york times bestseller list and picking things or readers who choose books that way but like if you're shopping in a bookstore, oh, so many things have that sticker. It becomes basically meaningless. It's kind of like the Dow Jones Industrial Average is like a signal for the health of the economy. It's like, again, that's one of those situations we don't need to go around. This. It's like it's such a random and non-representative way of looking at a particular snapshot of a particular sector. I, I just don't. I, I don't. I don't get it. I, I really don't. Um, and that it's opaque. Like BookScan, they tell you what they do. And uh, they say what the numbers are, but they also say what they don't do. Like, here's what it doesn't cover. Here's the other things. Like, uh, it makes me insane. Oh, the, you know, the best example is the movie business. You know, you get mm-hmm. dollar figures every week. There's not, there's not any yeah, there's way to no gain mystery. it. There's no right. mystery. You have to buy millions of dollars of tickets to move up from the bottom to 25. And maybe that's part of it is like, I guess that's the other thing is like 5,000 copies to get number one New York Times bestseller for a week of way. It's not mm-hmm. that many copies. Well, and also like in movies, you're gated by where the film is being shown. So it's yes. not really possible to game it. Like if you're a small Sundance film, right. you're not in enough theaters that someone could try to buy a million dollars worth of tickets. No, you can't do it. And, yeah. and boost you up there. Yeah, like you can't there's do it. just no way. So anyway, I mean, is there anything else to say about this? Like I, I actually feel like, the what's her name? I don't want to talk about the the name of the or is it her? Yeah, it's her. It's uh, a her. <laughs> I was actually trying to keep her name out of my mouth, um, which I'll continue to do. Th- I mean, she definitely ends up looking like a a fool and a charlatan. But I think the the mud that sticks is the New York Times bestseller list. That's that's kind of where I came down on the end. It's like really, you can. This is all you have to do is make forty phone calls to like bookstores and order books that are out of stock, mm-hmm. and you've gamed the system. This isn't like the Russians hacking, you know, Wisconsin uh, swing districts. Yeah, Like, this and is you know, just making phone calls. You don't have to use a it, credit card. Use your real I name. See, it also occurred to me that, depending on, I guess, how ballsy the author is, she could still try to use this. Like, it did oh, yeah. still appear on the list. She could still try to use it to move forward. And publishing, as we know, doesn't always fact check things like 
Um, this is yeah. tangential and we won't get into the details, but a couple of weeks back, um, I think Marlon James was the first one who posted about it, but then a bigger story sort of happened that you can Google if you're interested, where Pen America nominated an author for some award or recognition that is apparently among the writing community widely known to like lie about his qualifications and the things that he has done, including that his website contains a blurb from Chinua Achebe, who has been dead for several years. And that was never, that actually was never given. Like, this is just one example of um, one of the things that this person has done. And Marlon James is like, you know, the writing community had to like make it known to Pen America, like that all the stuff this guy presents about himself is false and that writers have known that this is false, but Pen America was ready to give him an award and had not investigated yeah. any of it. Like no one at Pen had looked at this guy's website and been like, hmm, that's strange. That's very, very strange. Um, it's like, I guess she could submit, she could change, she could write under a pen name and submit her books to a publisher again. She could try submitting her books to a publisher under her own name and hope nobody Googles her because nobody might. Yeah, I guess so. I, I think, and, and maybe it's just because of the profile of the person involved. Um, I still think Sarah Gruen's, was it Beanie Baby eBay scam? Oh, yeah. I still think that's weirder. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had forgotten that. Yeah, yes. I still have a running list. Like, it's the king of the mountain for weird publishing stories. This one's pretty weird, but, like, this one feels related to... I don't know, like self-published author, weird pretension, kind mm -hmm. of weird. Not really. You know, it might, it's minor league. It's minor league, it, right. is what it mm -hmm. is. Where Sarah Gruen like had a movie option. That book sold a billion copies, and she's in her basement like doing Selling arbitrage on like children's toys. Like I still, <laughs> that one still. I'll ever. I'll never now. Every time I see a Beanie Baby, which is not that often, frankly, or a Sarah Gruen novel, I'm like. She tried to she tried to scalp beanie babies. That stuck. That one is stuck. Apparently, I was thinking. I think that made it onto the end of year show yes. for the year that that happened. And this will be probably on our end of year show this year for like the one of the weirder things that occurred. Yeah. I guess also bottom line is don't try to get one over on young adult Twitter or like if you go missing, hope that young adult. Twitter yeah, is seriously, right? If you go missing, make sure that your book was a random bestseller. Um, the week before, because people will find you and drag you. <laughs> it's like Liam Neeson. I will find I you. I will find. I will, I will find you. <laughs> um, let's do one more story because we're you know we're in a weird time. We want to get this out so people can listen to us blather on about. You want to do one? What one more? Let's do one more. What I want to do, do. Oh, let's see. Let's talk about. I don't want to talk about Kakutani. I'm over that now. Yeah. Um. I'm a little flabbergasted looking at the rest well, of let's our Let's do thing. celebrity Instagram. Speaking of moving okay. books, um, selling books, the North, this is a New York Times piece, uh, ironically, I guess, um, the new authority in great books to read, <laughs> maybe supplanting <clears throat> the New York Times bestseller list, um, talking about the power of celebrities Instagramming what books they're reading to move units. And this is something that actually Publishers Weekly has been following a little bit. They'll have a little um, chart with, you know, here's a mention that Reese Witherspoon mm -hmm. put this book on her Instagram and here's what it did next week. Moving several thousands of units at a time. Um, this one's talking about Kristen Ritter. Uh, share a picture of Gristmill Road by Christopher Yates. Um, talking about Reese Witherspoon and Jessica Parker, Emma Watson, Lena Dunham's familiar names to those of you who listen to this show. Um, 
Watson's pictures, for example, go out to 38 million Instagram followers, which is just a mind-boggling number. And this is a number I didn't know. I'm sure I could have found it. Is that um, NPR's Fresh Air has about a million listeners. Oh, interesting. Which is kind of the gold standard for if you're going to get your author on an interview spot, you want Fresh Air. Um, because it's NPR, the demo, but it reaches a million people and it's intimate and everything like that. So Miriam Parker, associate publisher at Echo Book, says, you know, we try to get people, actively trying to get people with big social media accounts to, you know, share, to read the book, find out about it. Uh, I guess we call them influencers now. That's that's the term of art. Um, really, really interesting. So, and it makes sense, right? I mean, authentic endorsements, it's like word of mouth mm-hmm. on steroids, uh, and then the names they give here again are familiar names. I guess the one I hadn't known about is Andy Cohen, um, who's a uh, on the Bravo. On I don't Bravo. know. I don't mm-hmm. know what show he's on, um, but he was Instagramming about um, Nathan Hills of the Knicks. Yeah, really interesting stuff going on there. And I was trying to think the other day after I was reading this story. I was going to hit you with this last week, but we we ran out. If you could, let's say you had a book out, mm-hmm. and you could get one placement, one. Oh. What are you picking? Does it have to be a placement that actually exists, or can I like dream it up? Mm, like judge's ruling is going to be give me both real one okay. and fake one. Okay, so a fake one is Marilyn Robinson gets oh. an Instagram account. <laughs> so you're talking about just for just for pride. You're not talking about moving units. <laughs> well, I mean, if Marilyn Rob, okay, no. So let's imagine Margaret Atwood gets an Instagram account, like she told us she was going right. to at Book Riot Live right. a couple years ago. A couple years ago. Um, I think her Instagram account would move units. Okay. So the imaginary Margaret Atwood Instagram account, that's my mm. imaginary one. Um, real life, I don't follow many... No, I'm just saying, like, life. you just, you want, you, you're you trying to move units, you want your book to do well for whatever you're writing about. Which one do you think is mm-hmm. the most, you know, what's the choice one? Oh, of these or, or of any anything of them, just on anybody. the internet? Yeah, anybody. Um, uh, like, I don't know, does Elizabeth Moss tweet? Yeah, I she don't know, would, probably. I don't know. That's that would be one. cool. She would be cool. Um, Shonda Rhimes. Yeah. I would want Shonda Rhimes to tweet about I was my thinking book. something along that line in terms of if you had a book to sell and it was, you know, commercial, you know, it's not it's not academic press, something like that, right? It's right. a book that people might want to buy. Um, that was some serious reverse shade at academic <laughs> Whoa, <hey> presses. <laughs> That's <laughs> pretty good. Subtle. Like Ava DuVernay, I was thinking Roxanne Gay for book world people is pretty oh, tough yeah. to beat. That's true. Or Coates. Mm-hmm. You know, people that have a crossover following that are passionate. You know, that's pretty good. Those are pretty good. I, I'd like to know on a on a follower per follower basis. I would bet like Coates and Roxanne Gay hit above their weight. They may not have as many followers on Instagram or whatever. Um, you know, DS has a really great Facebook page. You know, so on a pound for pound basis, and meaning like a follower per follower basis. Those are the kind that you'd like to see. Yeah, um, I think it. that crossover element is important because yeah. people think about Roxane Gay as a writer, but she's also this cultural yes. commentator, yes. feminist writer. Um, people know her name from the New York Times who haven't read her books yet. Same with Ta-Nehisi Coates. Mm-hmm. Um, a Jessica Valenti would be a good one, That's like good not one. the same kind of star power, but still. Rebecca, or Lindy Rebecca West. Rebecca Solnit now. She's uh-huh, really Rebecca Solnit. She's having, really having a moment. Yeah. Um, hmm, who else? Like in the imaginary book that I write, it's either like obscure essays about yeah. being a woman or so like a feminist writer would. Yeah, Solnit would be pretty or, decent for you at that situation. Right, Solnit would be a good fit or like um, 
if I did some wellnessy thing, like Catherine Budig would be cool. Yeah. Um, Mine would probably be like obscure literary references. So I need like John Hodgman, as nerdy as yes. that would be. Sarah Vowell, Dave Sedaris, something like that. <laughs> I'm here for Sarah Vowell pitching your book yeah, to the world. Yeah. I guess what's interesting too is like that it's making public this private activity of celebrities reading books, which before Instagram there really wasn't a venue for. Yeah. And you know, like I'm going to. I do love that. Like, yeah. I think it's great for books and reading that these very famous people that people all over the place look up to talk about books and reading and make them cool in that way that a celebrity doing a thing makes a thing cool, especially younger celebrities, Emma Watson. Right. Um, when we've seen some of the younger athletes talk about, like mm-hmm. Andrew Luck has it. There was another athlete that we heard was a few years ago who was talking about the books that he was reading in the locker room a lot. And that like was sort of coming out to his teammates. Um, LeBron James has been photographed reading mm-hmm. like people whose star caliber is that high that's just good for books yeah um it, it's legitimizing in a way that i wish books didn't need to be legitimized but it 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 helps the one thing that this piece is missing is yep, actual I was gonna... <laughs> is actual, actual numbers, numbers. Like, except for the, the piece, number of instagram followers that's all right got. like that's that's impressive and instagram like has the algorithm but does still get we know from our own analytics much wider reach mm-hmm. than like a facebook push does so if reese witherspoon put a book she was reading on instagram it would reach more of her followers mm-hmm. than it would reach percentage wise on facebook but like how many books does a reese witherspoon instagram post that reaches 10.4 million people sell do we know that it actually sells books because like i follow her on the internet and she has this rw book club Mm -hmm. that's a separate thing from her personal instagram account where she tweets about the book that she's reading and i think it's one a month and the rw book club discusses them online together but most of them are popular titles already like there's some feedback loop there of this book was already popular and then you picked it and then then the book remained popular. Like, is that really an effect of her talking about it? Emma Watson is a little bit more interesting of a case because like Maggie Nelson's The Argonauts is a literary darling, Mm -hmm. but not a a huge bestseller. Yeah. Um, Reese Witherspoon Instagramming an Emma Emma Straub novel is like a different thing. Yeah. Right. Or it's, it's a different beast. Like these are books. Reese Witherspoon's picks are on the bestseller list already if she might be reinforcing them but i don't think we know yet that reese witherspoon instagramming a thing makes it a bestseller and so some of this too feels just like like publishing received wisdom that might not actually be wisdom like how many how many like do what about that debut novel that you have that no one's talking about it yet if reese witherspoon instagrams it will you see a spike in amazon speaking of librarians and booksellers that could help us out Oh, That'd be yeah. interesting to know. Have you had people come well, out and say this book that Reese Witherspoon just Instagrammed about or Emma Watson just put as a good, like, you know, because we know, I've heard stories about booksellers when they hear an interview on Fresh Air, they're mm-hmm. like, oh, do we have enough copies of that book? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or they can tell, sometimes they, they hear from their sales reps, like they're going to be on X, Y, or Z, they're going to be on Letterman or, when, well, I don't actually know when Letterman they... was thing since it is still not the mid-90s, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, you know it's going to be on uh, Fallon or, you know, something like that. Yeah, uh-huh. I don't know if they still have it, but when I worked for Barnes & Noble, there was a thing built into the bookseller, like commu- computer terminals, where you could click and see, yep. like the thing that they had mentioned on the Today Show this morning. Right, Today um, Show. Specifically because people would be 
coming in the store. Like I saw this book on the Today Show and it's about dogs and you'd be like, I have no idea. Let me click the link. Um, But I wonder, also publishing folks, like we know you're Mm -hmm. listening to this. So if you're sending your books to Instagram influencers, have you ever seen, you don't have to tell us what book it is. You know, you don't need to give away trade secrets, but have you ever seen a book that was unknown, get a boost in Amazon sales that you could connect to an Instagram post from a celebrity or an influencer? Because, you know, I know you can't link directly. There's all those complications like the black box of Amazon affiliate Mm. is what it is. But if you looked at the Amazon ranking before the celebrity posted and then you looked after and there was a difference, I would like to know that. So podcast at bookriot.com. Yeah, and any other things you've got, let's call that a show. You can always email us at podcast at bookriot.com. You can find show notes for this and all back episodes of the Book Riot podcast at bookriot.com slash listen. Thank you so much to Book of the Month for sponsoring this show. Go bookofthemonth.com slash bookriot to get your first book for 10 bucks. Probably you want a Book of the Month placement if you could pick one. Mm, Yes. That's not bad if you could just, you know, people are buying your book from there, Um, especially if you're a debut author because no one who knows you are anyway. Uh, that's our show. We'll be back. Well, we're going to record in three days. So <laughs> well, well, <laughs> let's hope, well, let's hope something crazy happens. <laughs> maybe uh, may- maybe Dan Brown will, will start you know, doing uh, goat yoga or something weird we can talk about. I don't know. I'm just trying to think. It's that's ma- my dream, It's Jack. Mad don't Libs. Tease it's just Mad Libs now. Dan Brown goat yoga. Talk to you guys next You week. know, I just haven't told you. I have this novel out, and in the next couple of days, you're going to see it hit the bestseller list. We got a lot of I cold, got all the we, moves we, now. We, we got a lot of we got a lot of cold calls to make, Shinsky. A lot of cold calls. <laughs> Get to Stefan. Mm-hmm.